Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello everybody. Yes, strap in. It's another big episode of the ESPN Footy Podcast uh, on the way. My name is Matt Walsh. Joining me, colleague Jake Michaels. Jake, uh, some interesting news in Formula One, your other sporting love this morning. Yeah, interesting. Uh, quite disappointing, but yeah. not really unexpected that the Australian Grand Prix is going to be cancelled again. So... Uh, yeah, if we do get the race in 2022 in March, the usual the usual window, then it'll be three years between races. So with the mm. two in the middle cancelled, so weird. Wouldn't have wouldn't have expected that if you told me that in uh, 2019. How are you coping without your high octane fuel just being injected into your lungs every a couple of times a year when you go to these races? Mm, yeah, it's a it's a bit boring just watching AFL every week. <laughs> nah, no, it's what can you do? It's yeah. the world we live in moment so it's got a watching on tv has got to make do christian jolly what's your other vice outside of footy i think we've ever asked you this is there a sport you really follow quite closely that's not footy yeah nba nba is my next yeah. biggest sort of following so right in the um playoffs championship game starts uh, i think game one's tomorrow so mm. yeah they're they're probably my two sporting passions basketball and afl Who's bucks or sons yeah um, I'm probably leaning towards the Bucks again, no. based on I know based but based on the last three or four years, I feel like they deserve one. So, <laughs> Why Chris Middleton takeover. Well, it's CP3. Actually, I wouldn't mind if Chris Paul yeah. got, a, got a ring, though. I mean, uh, look, we're turning into a uh, just a general ESPN podcast here, aren't we? <laughs> uh, before we jump into another big episode of covering footy, uh, something quirky from the weekend, guys, that grabbed your attention that we might otherwise miss, Jake. Well, not very, not quirky as such, but it was something I noticed um, after the weekend, and it's that um, Tab, one of our partners, have actually um, released a special market for whether or not Buddy Franklin will reach the thousand goal milestone this year. So there's been a bit of debate. He's he's been in good form, though he probably could have kicked a few more on the weekend than he ended up with. But um, he's a four dollar chance. Does mm. he do it? Four dollars is juicy. Three, if they make finals, three games. Yeah, yeah. They're going to make finals. It's just there's seven games left plus plus at least one final. So you'd think there's eight at least eight chances whether he plays eight eight times times. three, twenty four goals. Yeah, he he needs three a game, assuming he plays them all. That's the thing. He'd need to play every game, which he we I'm not confident that he'll be able to play every game. Um, I don't know if if he's three short. Or four short or five short in that last game for the season, whenever that is. Mm. Do we expect the Swans to just go full on, you know, target him and, and handball to him in the square? Or do you wait for because the next year? Or? The thing, it's not like he's retiring at the end of the year. He, he can come back and do it round one next year. Wouldn't you year. rather get it done early? Because what if you get a, a season ending injury or an injury that keeps you out for a year and then you've got to wheel out a 35 year old buddy in a wheelchair in the goal square and, and have him try and kick five goals then. Well, you know, they'll, they'll do that regardless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christian, will he get it this year? I think you'll go close. Yeah. I've sort of looked at the fixture as well and sort of looked at the, probably the last two games of the season, they've got North and Gold Coast are so probably two of the easiest defenses to score. Get it in those two games uh, alone. You wouldn't, yeah. I don't think Buddy will be putting his hand up to be rested for those two games. So no, it'll be very interesting watch because I think you'll get very close. Here's a, here's a prediction for you: if he doesn't get it this year, and he and he's within five of it, um, you, you know, if he's nine ninety five ish, uh, going into next year, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be Sydney Hawthorne round one at the SCG, or uh, will they well, dare, will they dare put it at the MCG? Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'd be interesting. I wonder if Alistair Clarkson will do the old Brendan Favola trick and, and just <laughs> don't bring that up again. <laughs> Sit three defenders on him in the square. <laughs> I could honestly see. Uh, I could honestly see Clarko doing. That. Oh, he would. hundred <laughs> percent, he would. Uh, Christian, while we've got you, uh, something quirky from the weekend. Yeah, probably again not so quirky, but more dominant. Um, probably one of the best performances of the year in what was eventually a losing side. Sean Darcy's um, night against Carlton uh, Saturday night. Um, yeah, became just it's sixth player and only the seventh time that someone's had 20 disposals and 20 hitouts to advantage in a game. So Brody Grundy's done it twice and uh, five other players besides Darcy, uh, well, sorry, along with Darcy, have done it. But yeah, it was just he kicked a goal. He had two score assists. I thought it was just a very, very dominant performance by, um, yeah, as I said, I thought he was clearly best on ground on the night um, mm-hmm. in a losing team. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Fair enough. I think his his influence and his ability to just grab the ball as well out of the contest and especially against a younger and less experienced opponent. Um, I thought 
he worked out the game really early on in that sort of second quarter when he's like, oh, well, I've got the advantage here. And he really dragged them back into that after a really poor start. Uh, something I've got two again. I know I do this every week. Um, <laughs> but Mason Cox was on the bench uh, at one point of the Collingwood St Kilda game and just, you know, you know, warming up and having a jog up and down the sideline. And the trainer was sort of throwing the ball to him. And at one point, the ball took a bad bounce, as the Sharon tends to do sometimes. And it went about four or five metres onto the field. And Coxie just stepped out onto the field and, and went and got I it. I saw and, this. Yeah. Technically didn't go through the interchange gates and technically the Pies had 19 men on the field at that point. Uh, how do we feel about that? Well, I am think I being a bit, am I being too grouchy to say that um, he's lucky not to have given away a free kick? No, I'm I a stickler. He... I'm with you. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I think it should have been a free kick. Yeah. You didn't Why go not? through the interchange. What, what's... <laughs> Why we got all these lines and interchange gates and yeah. rules and people holding people back? And I get it was an innocent mistake, but that could have confused a St Kilda player who could have run. Like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm probably a stickler for the rules, but I do know that there is a lot of management going around the bench and making sure people come on and off the right mm. avenue. Mm. To have that happen in the middle of the game was quite weird. We're all sort of local footy areas at two o'clock on a Saturday, so <laughs> that was odd. Um, the other one, uh, North Melbourne got close-ish to the dogs in that last term of their clash at Marble Stadium. I think they got to within 22 and Nick Larkey took a mark and he sort of sprinted to the top of his mark and Hutto, as I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, I love you what like, Hutto does. Like mentioning the old Anthony Hudson. L- love Hutto. He says, suddenly there's some belief and urgency and there was sort of maybe six or seven minutes left in the game. And it got me thinking, at what point does a team that's trailing by a margin that seems like it's hard to run down. When does that switch flick that, oh, hold on, I'm going to sprint to the top of my mark and try and take a couple of deep breaths and then have a kick at goal. If you're behind, shouldn't you always be in a rush? I thought that was, and this happens all the time, you know, suddenly you get to within two or three goals and there's two minutes left and everyone's sort of rushing to get around. Where was the rush 10 minutes ago? I think within three goals, I was, you mentioned this earlier, and I've been thinking about it. I think within three goals, you feel like you're really in in the game. When it's four five, it feels. I mean, but if you take a mark and you're five goals down, wouldn't you try and rush it anyway and, and give your team more time to to chase down the extra two or three to get within striking? Distance? But then, what if you miss it? Well, that's why I sort of said, yeah, pre-pod. It's that whole. Uh, it's almost like you're sacrificing accuracy for time. Yeah, so you, you got to make that decision. Do I want to be accurate here, or do I need to be quick here? So. What's where's the threshold? This is what I want to know. Like you said, three goals, Jake. But how long is left that you start to rush? Like, is it a goal a minute kind of thing? Well, yeah. If you're three goals down at half time, you're not going to be sprinting back. Yeah, to your obviously. Mark. Like, obviously, but yeah. but if yeah, I think three goals and there's yeah, I think six minutes. That that what everyone always says about Lee Matthews goal a minute. Yeah. I, I think that's a bit. <laughs> unrealistic this day and age i would almost say two two goals a minute is probably more accurate now two goals a minute or a minute every two goals uh, sorry a minute ev- sorry uh, two minutes for every goal two minutes for every goal yeah so you know six minutes i'd say yeah three, three if you're three goals behind and there's six minutes to go i would think you would still believe you're a chance i just found that strange that they at, at just there was a point where everyone's sort of switch flicked and it was all right we've got to hustle so anyway something quirky game, i noticed they wouldn't they were kind of always around, but you never really felt they were inaccurate around. as well early. I mean, if you're if you're a team that's playing one of the top four sides, you can't be missing early shots and, and trying to play catch up the entire time. It doesn't work very well. As, as someone pointed out in here, though, 120 points they got beaten last time they played. So it's big improvement. You know, it's a, yeah, huge improvement for North Melbourne. Absolutely. Uh, let's get cracking with our rundown. Uh, the West Coast Eagles. Obviously, we've got to talk about these guys because um, look, I don't think I've seen a more training ground kind of performance from a side just struggling to get to contests um, defensively not looking good jogging when the play is happening um, numbers just not making the ball we had a chat a few weeks ago about the west australian teams both west coast and frio and their stats at the stadium and then their stats away from it i guess to refresh our memories before we get too deep into dissecting the eagles issues and and what the next move is christian can you sort of remind us about what the stark difference is when when these teams go away from home. I mean, we're just yeah, I'm just focusing on West Coast. I've looked mainly just a home and away, uh, sorry, win loss record um, is you know biggest indication of it. So 2014 to 21, uh, Simpson's been in charge. So I sort of took out the first couple of years and just looked at Optus Stadium since that's been around. At Optus Stadium, obviously, I just got rid of uh, Domain Stadium or Subiaco, whatever it's called, because they're never going to play there again. So. 
34 and 9 uh, at Optus Stadium, um, 132, a percentage of 132.1%. Interstate in that time, 41 wins, 40 losses. So still above 50%, percentage of 96.7. So nothing special. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, you look at the three main venues in Melbourne MCG, they're 9 and 8, uh, percentage of 102. Marvel, 9 and 9, percentage of 110. And it always seems to this conversation always rears its ugly head after the GMHBA games. So they're zero and five down there in uh, Adam Simpson's time as head coach with a percentage of 38%. Uh, so almost scored a, th- a third as much as their opposition. So clearly, I think the skinny ground gets them. But yeah, as I said, the, the, their interstate record's not great, but I always feel like it's always over embellished. Um, at certain times of the year where it's, it's horrible. But again, if you look at most clubs, interstate records would probably be aligned um, very close to that 50, 50, which West coast are, but it is, it's just the, um, it's just the drop off, yeah, which is exactly, what makes highlights it so much. Yeah, yeah. And it's the, I mean, as I said, the percentages at any of those grounds weren't, you know, were over hundred percent, I think at the MCG, but not of the other, other two or three. So yeah, clearly GMHB is their less fa- least favorite stadium, but it is, it was, um, yeah, just another game where it's just typical West Coast of the the, the gap between their best and worst this season has just yeah it's, it's just shown itself too many times. I think is this a mental thing, Jake? It it almost seems like they're going into any game that's not at home with a three goal margin to make up before the ball's even bounced because of the venue. Well, just I don't I don't know what it is, but it's it's a mental thing. Obviously, the grass is the same, the center circle is the same size, the grounds all have grandstands. There's something there's something there, and and, and I think last time Christian, you mentioned like clearance numbers and how compared to at home, their clearance numbers are down, you know, four or five on average over yeah. a certain number of years or whatever it was. Um, I'm putting numbers in your mouth, so obviously correct me if, if I'm wrong, but like. Clearances, the contests are the same. The players around the ball are the same. But the, the, so many things it are the same. It shouldn't matter, yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't matter. And, it, it, yeah, Jake, I asked you, is it a mental thing? It just seems like it's part of the culture now, which is odd. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's bizarre. I, like, that game was felt like a bit of a coin flip. I think I think Sydney would, might have been just favoured, but... It was a really hard game to pick. I don't think anyone expected it to nearly be a 100-point margin. And... It's so disappointing the way they played. Um, and, and to be honest, the, you go back to the previous game against the Bulldogs over in Perth and the margin wasn't 100 points, but it very well could have been. They were, mm. they were so inaccurate, the Dogs, and the Eagles on the other side kind of took their chances when they went forward and they, they didn't deserve to to be as close as they were and they got shown out this shown up this week it, the, the lack of intensity and pressure and will to win for the eagles was horrific worst worst i've seen in years speaking of accuracy uh christian we brought this up in the, in the pre-podcast discussion but that's been a hallmark of the eagles this year they've they've been pretty accurate in the front of the sticks but they've had relatively low shots on goal compared to a lot of other teams so when they don't get it right perhaps it does look a, a bit more stark compared to other sides that are getting more shots at goal but but losing games yeah so i've actually i've actually i've dug out a whole heap of numbers on west coast and i've actually excluded their last two losses so everything i'm quoting from now on doesn't even it could be include, worse yeah it doesn't include the bulldogs or the sydney games because i think after the two losses i sort of looked at it and said there was plenty of signs at round 30, you know, two weeks ago coming into this sort of stage of the season that West Coast just weren't travelling as well. And especially when you compared them to the other seven final, you know, top eight teams within that time. Uh, and accuracy was the big thing. So they were scoring at 55% accuracy. I think they're still up around that uh, mark. Comp average is 47.6%. So they were a long way. I think there was only three other teams above 50% in the first 13 rounds and they were at 55%. So extremely like extremely accurate but again the opportunities the ball movement it, it wasn't like they were having yeah a high influx of inside 50s like the bulldogs or anyone like that they were the third fewest inside 50s per game uh rounds one to 13 only hawthorne and collingwood were lowest were lower uh but yeah west coast second for scoring once getting it in there number one for goals once getting it in there because of such good accuracy so mm. that part of the game was a tick but again just a whole lot of their other numbers and as i said it just didn't stack up to the other top eight teams so Looking at it the other way, they can see they 
conceded a score from 47.6% of the opposition's inside, inside 50 entries. That's the second worst rate. Only North concedes a score easier than West Coast. So we talk about West Coast and, you know, their the defence and their great intercept marks as Barras, McGovern. Um, Hearn's been out a lot this year. I know Shepard's a good lockdown defender, but team-wise, they're actually getting quite easier, you know, or easy to score against this year and easier than ever before. Um, and then just little things. They're the lowest pressure side in the first 13 rounds. They conceded the highest disposal efficiency of any side. So opposition was having clean ball movement. See, there are um, two things that I think were very noticeable. Um, I know these stats don't go up into this week's game against Sydney, but I think those two, the amount of ball Sydney was able to, to own. Skip it around, yeah. The and, the, and, the, and the lack of pressure. They, that was so evident in that game um, in Geelong. Yeah, and as I said, yeah, last for pressure in the first 13 rounds and 17th for uncontested possession differential in those 13 rounds. Again, only North worse than them. So, yeah, all those signs were there earlier in the season. Um, and I think they've just, yeah, really come to head in the last two games. Um, we talk about uh, premiership windows a lot. Another sort of footyism that I like to to bring up every now and then is, you know, the premiership windows that open or close. But where, where are the Eagles? Because li- listen to this list here. Kennedy, Hearn, Natanui, Shuey, Redden, Shepard, Hutchings, Vardy, McGovern, Hutchings, Cripps, still Darling, Gaff. <laughs> they are all 29 or older. Yeah. Uh, I, I look at a starting midfield there, and I just wonder where the young midfielders coming through are. Well, then there is no young midfield. It's as simple as that. Um, but is the premiership window open for West Coast? Yeah, it is. Because all those players you just named, or most of them, are A-grade players. Mm. They've got more A-grade players on their list than any team in the comp right now. But when... when, when... And, and, if, and if you... Ch- challenge me if, if you don't believe that. The, the talent is there and it will click again. It's the same... It's basically the same team that won a flag. Like, what's different to this side? I bet they should be better, if anything. There's uh, going to be a stark drop-off, though, Jake. It's there will be... be a stark drop-off. <laughs> so so will. The, question, the question might now be is can you extract some value for, from these players still uh, and, and start building through the draft? Because no, I don't think you bother because I, I believe that this year it hasn't quite clicked, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did click again next year. I would be surprised. I wouldn't. And if, if things were to go back to a more normal situation where it's more of a consistent playing at home every second week, not having to worry about bubbles and quarantine and all that sort of stuff, which we don't know if that will happen. But I still think West Coast... You know, if they should be able to be banking, you know, nine of their games at home, you, you you expect them to be battling for the top four pretty comfortably again next year. And I think they're a chance to to go to to be able to do it next year. I wouldn't be surprised with the talent they've got on the list. Uh, where are they going to be in three years' time? Mm. That's my real concern because yeah. if they remain where they are and they still see their list as good enough to, to be able to win a flag, which I, I think it is because they did it a couple of years ago with the similar list. Um, then all of a sudden you're putting all the chips in, you're neglecting the draft again. And well, when, that's the trade-off, isn't it? Yeah. You and go when hard for another these, year or two. And when Hearn and Kennedy and, um, and Shuey and all these guys, all these 30 plus players finish up, it's going to be really lean. And when you look at the players under 24, 25 that West Coast have now, it's it's really, really, really skinny. Well, let's talk about them because, Christian, you've got some stats on relative ratings, which is comparing ratings points of the season average of these players versus the players of same age and position across the competition and across previous years. How do West Coast's younger brigades stack up? Yeah, so exactly. They're sort of... Um... I think this year, I... just let me get the numbers. Hang on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and we'll do a little deep dive. I, I, I had it filtered from pre-thing. I've just got to get it back. On no, yeah. We're going to do a relative ratings deeper dive as well in the next segment too on some other players um, with some interesting stuff as well. So make sure you stick around for that. Yeah. So looking at, um, yeah, West Coast players this year and, you know, as we spoke about the older players, but if you look at how many guys have actually used that are 24 and under, I think they've used 15, um, yeah, 15 players this year that have played that have, yeah, age 24 or less this year. Relative ratings, it's basically comparing, as you said earlier, comparing your exact age, you know, or your, your age in year. So a 22 year old wingman is getting compared to all other 22 year old wingmen that have played since 2010 onwards, since player ratings has been around. And it just looks at your rating points average and whether that's, um, 
higher or lower than where it should be. So, again, looking at the 15 West Coast players that have played this year that are 24 or under, a couple of those, you know, have only played one or two games. But only two of those players has a positive relative rating. So they're performing better than other players of the same age have performed um, in previous years. One of those is Oscar Allen, who, again, is such a great player because he's a utility. At the moment, we've got him as a key forward. So his average of 10.6 player rating points this year is 32% higher than a key forward usually averages at the age of 22. So he's got a relative rating of, yeah, plus. I think he's a clear tick. I th- 32.9%, I think, yeah. correct. The second one, the only other one that's above um, their expected output is Jack Petricelli. But again, that's plus 1% um, as a general forward. So nine it's rating points average. per game. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, should be at eight, 8.9 rating points per game. So he's up by 0.1 rating points, which is, yeah, plus 1%. No the other 13 Ryan. guys are all in the negatives. And they're all in double, fi- sort of, you know, almost double figure negatives. Um cool. You know, so as I said, Winder only the one game, but he was a neg- negative 11%. Xavier O'Neill's played the five games. He's actually negative 64% for a midfielder. Again, this your numbers will get affected by being a sub and things like that. Yeah. But again, as as a 21-year-old midfielder, he's not giving the output. Well, they're not getting the opportunities as well. Yeah. Correct, yeah. which leads to, yeah. Older brigade. Which leads to West Coast, you know, you, you've got to be giving them the opportunities to, you know, to, to help these guys' development. Um mm. And to see, yeah, so many 23, you know, Alex Witherden, Josh Rotham, Jake Waterman, they're all getting games, but they're all below where they should be as players because they're still on the periphery. They're not getting, you know, even someone like Jake Waterman, he's he's their fifth, probably sixth most used forward. He hasn't moved up to become their second or third focal point. Josh Rotham, um, you know, doing a good lockdown role, but he's still, he's probably... Well, it's Harass, interesting you McGovern. said Oscar Allen looked like he was progressing to that point, and then they had to swing him back when they had the the injuries to the defense, and he's kind of been thrown back and yeah. forth. He hasn't really been able to settle because he yeah, looked earlier in the did. year like, okay, this is this could be when Kennedy goes, it could be an Allen Darling duo. Yeah, and then again, you just look at their spine. You know, they don't have a, ru- a young ruckman coming through. They don't really have a young key defender. I know Harry Edwards yeah. um, has been pretty good in his five games. I mean, you know, you don't need a young key forward at the moment. Oscar Allen might have been that one, but Kennedy, Darling, Nat Nui, McGovern, Barras, that's your spine. And there isn't a sort of two IC to each of those players. So again, it, it is, it's about you've got to you've got to maintain your your your, your place at the top with your good players, mm. but you've got to keep blooding the youngsters through. So yeah, you Which don't have it's too too little too late now. I think as you said, Jake, it's throw all the chips in for the next year or two. Oh, you um, have to. The West you... Coast West Coast fans yeah. just need to be prepared for what should probably happen in, and that's a, a big drop off in, yeah. in form and, and wins in, in future seasons. But if they were to if they were to go and win a flag next next year, who who is going to be bothered by the fact that they would they were tumbled down the ladder. I don't yeah. think West Coast fans would be too worried. No, but if they ask, were to... ask Hawthorne fans, they're just happy to have seen success. Yeah, but if they were to finish sixth again, sixth next year, and go out mm. in first week of finals, and then all these players start retiring, then all of a sudden people will ask questions and say, "Well, hang on a minute. Yeah. Why after the 2018 flag did we not start preparing for this? Because yeah. even going back then, those guys were all getting towards that third they're, they're all in that same age bracket which is great it's what you want yeah when they're all 28 not when they're all 32 spot on yeah a few issues obviously uh over in the west at the moment and it's a team we'll have to keep a close eye on in in coming seasons especially this off season uh we mentioned relative ratings uh, and how west coast's younger brigade are just not quite performing at the level expected of those in a similar age and, and at a similar point in their careers Christian, take us through some of the other players that you've noticed that have either done better than expected or worse than expected, um, you know, across the league and, and, and anything that might have taken your taken your interest. Yeah, so I mean, rallies raised, you get a, get a fair bit out of it. But again, it's people love to use it as probably, they hope it's sort of a prediction. So, you know, Sam Walsh starts at plus 40% in his first year. That means he's going to be a superstar. But it, it's it hasn't really stood up as a predictive model. It's just a current measure. Like Again, some of the guys that do have high relative ratings are the stars that carry on with their career. Um, but again, it, it's not necessarily, a, it, and it's not always used for the young players. Sometimes, again, you can use it to see an older player that just keeps performing uh, or overperforming what he's doing. Sort of so... Um, yeah, and the best example is this year. It's not quite David Mundy. I think Mundy was uh, close to the top 10. But the number one player this year is Nick Natanui. And again, player ratings, we, I think I spoke about it before, player ratings loves Nick Natanui. 
But he's at um, plus yeah, 80%. Everyone loves Nick Nutt, no. yeah, but he's Plus 80%? For a 31-year-old Ruckman. So, again, comparing all the other 31-year-old yep. Ruckmans that have, 31-year-old Ruckmans that have played since 2010, he's uh, 80% above their average output. So he's sort of the number one player in the comp for reality ratings. The second best player in the comp is probably, yeah, the sort of down the end that you usually look for for is 19-year-old Riley Thilthorpe. So plus 64% um, output as a key as a 19-year-old key forward this year. So again, key forward's one of those positions that you probably very rarely get thrown in there as a teenager and given the number one key forward spot, but it's something he's probably had to do. Um, you know, he's had a little bit of help, obviously, Tex being down there. Um, you know, they've played Billy Frampton. I think Himmelberg might have played alongside him once or twice. But yeah, Philthorpe's really been sort of thrown in there and um, almost given charge of that forward line. So he's at plus 64%. And that actually rates as the third best season by a 19-year-old since um, we started doing this measure back in 2010. So the best season by a 19-year-old uh, for relative ratings was Luke Dalhouse in 2011. He was 91% better than any other general forward Um at that age, and then uh, two years ago, Sydney Stack was he's plus... probably ninety one percent better than he's playing right now. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, Sydney Stack plus seventy five percent in two thousand and nineteen for a general defender. So yeah. they're the two sort of biggest relative ratings it for just a goes to show it can't always be maintained. Correct. Sydney Stack was a general years defender, out of the box and stuff. Sorry. Was Sydney Stack a general defender? Across the whole season, yeah. So across 2019, he, I think it was about 60 70% he finished general defence. So, again, he was another one that was used in different positions. And it's probably similar with Dalhouse. He was general forward 2011. He was probably shown a little bit of midfield and mm. wing time um, in his first year at the Bulldogs, which, again, will help you keep your scores higher. Um, and then just the other two, still side bottom was plus 60% as a mid forward in 2010. Uh, and Nick Floston was plus 56% as a general defender in 2013. So they're sort of the top five 19-year-old um, relative rating seasons. Uh, back. So again, yeah, plus 64% for Phil Thorpe really sort of caught my eye for how well he's doing. Yeah. Um, if we want to sort of talk about all the guys under 24, so as I said, he's number one. Second was the other guy I spoke about at the start of the podcast, Sean Darcy. Uh, very rarely does a 23-year-old Ruckman become the number one Ruck for his team. Um, and he's at plus 53% for the, um, you know, comparing it to all other 23-year-old Ruckmans. But it's actually the fourth best season, uh, relative rating season by any Ruckman hmm. um, in history. And the top three above him was Nick Natanui when he was 21, Nick Natanui when he was 22, and Nick Natanui when he was 23. So <laughs> the only three better seasons were, yeah, Nick Nat back then. But for Sean Darcy, he's a 23-year-old plus 53% Ruckman. Uh, again, that's that's higher than Grundy, Gorn, Tim English, any of the other sort of premier ruckman were at that age. So I think it goes again, to show like the body that he's in as a 23 yeah. year old, it's just mature beyond his years and, and he's using it to his advantage and, and obviously having a fantastic season. We spoke Correct. about I think it a few Ruck. weeks ago. He, he looks like when he first came into the league, he looked like he couldn't move, but now he's, he's, he's got a bit more fitness and he's only going to get, he's only going to get fitter and more comfortable with moving around the ground. He's how good can he be? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I think, you know, even Max Gordon, I think he'd had two knee injuries by this stage and he might have played 10 games by the age of, by this age. So to already have almost, you know, 40, 50 games under the belt um, and to show that you've got the ability to play. But again, I think Ruck's posi- one of, the Ruck position is probably the, that main position where you just learn learn on the job almost, you know, yeah. experience with Ruckman and the little ways they can sort of get you offside or use their offhand. He's, he's getting, you know... A wealth of experience earlier than most other premier premier ruckmen have in the past. So yeah, you'd expect big things from him going forward for for Frio. Um, third for um, under twenty four relative ratings, another sort of surprise one, but had a good season. Jack Scrimshaw um, again couldn't mm. you know was up and on Gold Coast couldn't get a game. Moved to Hawthorne's been pretty good. Probably stepped into you know James Sicily's role a little bit, um, not as loose as James Sicily played, but he's plus thirty seven percent this year. Uh, and fourth is Zach Bailey, another one that for, for Brisbane that's sort of, you know, for a mid forties plus 36% as a 22-year-old. What a gun. I love Zach Bailey. Yeah, he's, he, again, he's been one that's sort of, come, you know, he was coming to the team that's been pretty successful straight away. So he's probably played, you know, his first 20 or 30 games, you know, amongst a top four, top six team. Um, Brisbane's been up there. So just the, the ability to hold his spot in such a good team has sort of shown how, you know, how well he's going at this stage of his career. Off the cuff question about Zach Bailey. Is he the most improved player this season in the AFL? 
Uh, I think Ben Keys was up there as well. Ben Keys, um, again, there's so many different measures we use. I think uh, we do a deep dive on this next week, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> um, maybe we, we maybe we could. I do. I knew. I do know that Zach Bailey, um, and I said it after he kicked the winning goal against Collingwood. He was always he's high in kick range for the last two years, so he's always been a very very good performer in the mm. quality sort of side of things in the last two years. So when I saw him have that shot for goal, I thought, well, Brisbane don't want it in anyone else's hands because he's actually been a beautiful kick. Um, last two or three years. So I think it is, it's, he's always had the quality side of his game and he's always had, you know, I think he's averaged a goal a game as a wingman across his career, but this year he's probably getting five or 10 more disposals. Mm. Shots uh, at goal and he nails them too. Yeah. And setting him up. Uh, what about more, like older he's players? Much more than just a, a goal sneak. Like that's what he felt like, you know, 18 months ago. He's, yeah, he's a, he's a genuine attacking yeah. wingman now. He's a wingman that just hits the scoreboard. So, um, yeah, if yeah, you look at the older, older, older players, players like yeah. Him. So, um, looking, as I said, Nick Natanui, um, number one for over 30-year-olds. So, this is, yeah, everyone that's over 30 is plus 80%. Second, Dustin Martin, another one that just appears on every single table you ever build. So, he's plus 51% this year for a 30-year-old mid-forward. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, another sort of good pickup um, for Sydney, Tom Hickey. Plus forty four point eight percent as a thirty year old ruckman this year, um, and just behind him again, probably because he's not being compared to many people. Lance Franklin as a thirty four year old key forward is plus forty four percent, but again, as a thirty four year old key forward, he's probably being only compared to three or four other guys in that position. Um, and then you got Max Gorn plus forty percent, Dane Zorko plus thirty nine percent, and Luke Bruce plus thirty five percent as a general forward. So they're the guys that just... are sort of defying age. He's just played his 400th game. What about Sean Burgoyne? What is his relative rating? Yeah, unfortunately, he's one of the uh, few players that has a 0% relative rating because he's a 39-year-old general defender and we don't have any other 39 general <laughs> defenders to compare him to. So <laughs> he's sometimes, the you can, sometimes you can hang around too long and sort of break the stats, but yeah, no, no one <laughs> can compare him to. So he's either plus 100% or 0% depending on what's been put on it. Oh, that's funny. Uh, oh, wonderful stuff. Um, maybe we, we will do a deep dive on most improved players next week. We'll find some metrics and, and work that out. Um, Steve Hocking has moved out of the AFL's footy operations role, Jake. Going to move down the highway back to Geelong, where he's going to take up that CEO post. Overall, do we, do, do we think he's been a success for the league? Well, how do you define success? Well, exactly. Role? Yes. Yeah. Um, but- uh, we were just it's, a tough, just it's a tough role before we started our record today i was talking with uh chatting with rowan Connolly, who's actually going to write a piece on um on this and not necessarily how it went but what needs to be done going forward mm-hmm. and we were sort of discussing that it's a role that has evolved in the last sort of decade where you're now wearing a lot more hats um there's so many more different areas that you're having to be responsible for. So I think it's a, it's a much trickier role than it perhaps used to be. A lot more scrutiny but, as well. Lot, and, and yeah, that's the other thing. It's become a more public role. It's a role mm. now that people know, know the name and the face, whereas perhaps in pre, down previously, it was sort of hidden in the shadows. I'm but not again, across that, the I'm not across the job description, but I feel like it's one of those roles where the media blames you for. I feel like there's some things that Steve Hawking's name got attached to. I'm like, I'm sure that wasn't his decision, or that's not his department. But I could yeah. be wrong. But it, it seems like that's the role where it just all it all funnels back to you. The buck stops there. Yeah. And um, how do you define successful or not? Well, let's have a look at some of the moves he's brought in. Uh, for me, the concussion moves tick. I think it's it's a really good thing now that we're taking it seriously enough to say that you're missing at least the next game if you suffer. Well, hang on, you were saying Chelsea Randall should have played in the AFL. No, I didn't. <laughs> I said she shouldn't. <laughs> I Rewind. Go back. <laughs> I I, rec- I I'm I am dead set. No, she should not have played in that. No, I, I agree. I think the concussion. Yeah. And, uh, and look, the, the the AFL listened to what the players were saying. The the concussion was a real issue, and yeah, and you got to take it seriously. Six six six. 666 was something that was heavily scrutinized when it did come in. But do we really think about it now? No. So that's so what I think. Yeah, that's a, I'm, I'm torn with a 666. It's not a bad move, but is it, is it a success? Well, I don't think we don't notice it. Does that, that make it a success? I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but I'm, I'm, I'm unsure on it because it is. It's just, it's been brought in. I don't know what it's changed. It's just there so, now. So I think the changes he's implemented have worked in the sense that, sure, scoring is probably not as high as it has been for a long time. Um, but I don't have a problem with this because I think footy looks better and better contests 
is better footy than higher scoring. Contests. We say it all the time, all yeah. the time. And yeah, I think the, footy's in a in a better shape. And I know that the stand rule, you can kind of look inboard now with a bit more, uh, you know, freedom and, and ability to take off that sort of centre and kick a bit more, which is great. The only thing, the only thing I'd probably change, and maybe this is a, if if I was given the role as his replacement, not that I'd ever want that in a million years. The change that I would make would be to not have a stand rule for a set shot. If a player's going for a set shot and they start to swing out, I think you should be able to follow that player and, and put a bit of perceived pressure or some pressure on them. I think that's the only one that looks a bit strange to me. Mm. But then couldn't you say I'm taking a set shot from 80 metres? <laughs> no, because you, you couldn't because that's ridiculous. But you know you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's the only sort of, it's like, it's weird in that situation. Yeah. Works well I, I in don't like play. the umpires consistently calling stand. It's like, you know the rules. If Jeff you're not Douglas. standing, pay pay the free. Yeah, pay I've, the... I've always had a problem with that for the last 15 years of umpires yelling out what you'd almost call instructions. Yeah, and it, especially like when they start fighting, it's like Jordan, Jordan, stop, stop, don't give it yeah. away. You've already got. It's like no, you shouldn't. You should only have to say two words: free against and free for. Like I, d- I don't agree with the warnings. Maybe it is. It's it. It goes back to the Mason Coxing and I'm a stickler. You know, you don't want to just pay free <laughs> kicks like that. But the amount of yeah, the amount of sort of. Uh, instructions and warnings the umpires mm. get. I think just you know, pay you know, it. Pay well, it. Here's another something I noticed from from Thursday night. Um, <laughs> make that three. Uh, there was on Thursday night um, a, a free kick had resulted in a goal, uh, and the Richmond player was having a whinge to the umpire saying, "You know, this is what actually happened, or whatever." And you know how we always talk about how umpires will never change their decision after the fact. This uh, the umpire overheard him. He said, I'll take that on board. Yeah, I did hear 50, that. I think was it Vloston? Nick it was Vloston, yeah. He was, yeah. He was obviously having a lovely discussion with the umpire. And the umpire said, I'll take that on board. And I, as an umpire, I wouldn't admit to that, even if I was going to take it on board. I think it's a good thing to say, because it's like, you're not admitting you got it wrong. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> okay, yeah, so yeah. The player can Diplomatic. be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're a player, you're like, oh, great, we'll get that one next time. But uh, would you make any changes? To his rules, or would you would you flick something back or introduce oh. something new? I mean, again, I there's so there's Speaking so the mic, many yeah. rules. There's so many different sort of areas. I mean, the concussion stuff's good. I I, I don't think the six 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 is good or bad. It's just a rule that as we've got we've got used to it. It doesn't once the once the balls bounce and we're we're in a contest again. It doesn't mean anything all of a sudden. Um, the one I'm I sure. like, and I'm not sure if it's definitely it was all him, but the deliberate out of bounds, insufficient attempt. Mm. I like that one. And yeah, again, it goes back to yes, we got used to something in footy, and you know yeah. we watched it play. But step back and think about any other sport. When the ball goes out of bounds, mm-hmm. it's not a neutral ball usually. Like it usually is. So yeah, to to limit the amount of throw-ins and just say, look, it's up to the player to keep the ball in play. I'm I'm I'm. It was a good ball. middle ground from being last touch out of bounds. Yeah, I think that gets hairy. You even yeah. see with AFLW that, yeah. that you know you almost need to score review for the some of the yeah. last touch out of bounds, and it um, speeds the game up a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, running short of time, Jake. The we talked about this early in the season. The coach is under the most pressure, and I think it was about a month into the year. Yeah. Um, we're now into the final third of the year. So give us your oh, coaching. It's gone quick, hasn't it? It has, hasn't it? Give us your coaching pressure power rankings. Who's under the pump the most? Uh, the, the number one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Number one. Who's, who's, I said, who's under the most pressure. Okay. Then under the most pressure, it might sound very, very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking harsh. for? Well, it might sound a little bit harsh, but I'm looking at Adam Simpson. Oh, with all the, we spoke about him before, but with all the talent at, his disposal, some of the performances that they've thrown up this year have been absolutely putrid. He's number now, one. Hang on. Okay. Hang on a second. Okay. If West Coast were to somehow, they got North Melbourne this week. New York convinced they're going to win by 11 goals and paper over some cracks. I don't think, yeah. we, I don't think it's going to paper over any cracks. We're not going to be like, oh, you know, maybe there's, oh, they beat North Melbourne. There's still a flag chance. I don't think we're going to think that, but if West Coast go and continue playing at the sort of standard they're playing at and go out first week of finals, what are we going to say of Adam Simpson? Because as I said, and I still stand by this, talent-wise, West Coast have more A-grade players than any other team in the comp right now. So what does that say about Adam Simpson if they, they catastrophically fail? 
Now, he's not head and shoulders top. There are a few that are certainly under pressure. Leon Cameron's been under pressure for a long time. Yeah. Um, and another team. Another team that the, the gap between best and worst and certain over, well, his whole tenure there, really, it's so frustrating. And, mm. uh, you know, the 15 giant supporters out there must be must be furious with the way that they play. One week you think, how, how if you play like this every week, you, you're a top four side, but they don't. Yeah. T, um, where's he at the moment? In terms of pressure, yeah. Well, he's he's got to be up there. I'm I'm sort of just riffing this, but I think they're they're those are the two that I'm sort of looking at. I think you can look at Stuart Jew as well, but I think that win over over the Tigers has sort of bought him another year. It's a back end win, which they haven't been able to do too much of. They haven't had back end wins to beat the reigning premiers, albeit Richmond really spluttering. But I think it's it just shows that okay, hang on a minute. Now there is a little bit of belief. I think had that we were talking last week that they may not win a game for the rest of the season if you looked at their fixture. Mm. So I think you can make the make the argument that he sort of bought himself a little bit more time. And again, we know that there's not as not as much talent on Gold Coast lists as there is on West Coast and GWSs. So I think they're two that I'm looking at. Um, and that's kind of and then yeah. probably you got your your David Teague, Brett Ratton, but again they're they're finding a little bit of form. I, I'm looking at the teams with more talent as to why can't the coaches get the best out of them. Mm. Okay. Well, just a hot take to, to finish off this little segment. Does another coach or does a coach get sacked this season? Um, oh, I'm going to say no. Roll the dice. Flip the coin. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either at this point. Christian, any thoughts? No, yeah, I don't think so. And I, yeah. I, don't think anyone's yeah in that on um sort of that close to the edge of the seat, but also I think yeah COVID and hubs and the moving of the, the mm. season around, I think it buys everyone a little bit more time. Yeah, we we're talking about how bad St Kilda were and Brett Ratton under pressure, but they're half a win off yeah. being in the top eight. I yeah. mean their percentage is awful, but they they <laughs> they're, they're, right. they're on the yeah. if you said if you said it um at the start of the season. We'd be round seventeen, and St Kilda and Richmond would be on the same amount of points. You'd think they're both in the top four. So, yeah, it, it's um, I, I think he's sort of salvaged it, and same with with uh, David Teague. I think he, if he can get another couple of wins, it'll it'll buy him a bit more time to to hopefully have another crack next year. I like um, the names too, because I think Brett Ratton, St Kilda's got themselves an identity now in the last five or six weeks. The pressure's really up, and they're putting a lot of their game uh, coming together. But you're right. The, the two that you mentioned, Simpson, he's got a clear game plan and it worked for him, but how long will it stack up? Mm. And Leon Cameron's probably at the opposite end. It's it's so hard to put your finger on the exact blueprint that Leon Cameron wants to play with the Giants that you're probably right. One One's probably, you know, had the had the one strategy that's worked and how long is it going to work for? And then the other one that you've sort of thrown up is the guy that sort of, you know, we've always struggled to find out how he's going to get the best out of, you know, the GWS team that he's got. Just, just on West Coast quickly... Um... This is, these are the percentages of the teams in the top seven at the moment. West Coast seven. So um, Bulldogs one forty seven, Melbourne one twenty eight, Lions one thirty four, Power one twenty four, Cats one twenty three, Swans one fourteen, West Coast ninety five. Mm. Percentage is such a great measure of, of determining how well a team's going. Um, you know, almost better than wins. Well, losses, it's, it's, you, best yeah. way to sum it up is they're losing the season. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. and. They're they're miles behind. They're they're twenty percentage points. They're nineteen percentage points below Sydney, um, in terms of the top seven sides. So which you can means, almost say they're lucky to be seventh. Well, they are seventh, and because there's such a massive drop off, this is actually my notes as well. It means there's now two spots that are open in this final finals race. It's not just the eighth spot. It's it's seventh and eighth because. Look at look at the teams below them. Richmond percentage of one hundred point six. Fremantle ninety two. St Kilda eighty three. They're going to have to make up a game on top of that to guarantee them any spot. Um, Essendon ninety eight and Carlton ninety three. And so it gets to a point now that if you can find a bit of form in the back half of the year, you might make finals with a percentage of ninety eight ninety nine because there are two yep. spots that are just up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. 
Wonderful. All right. Well, let's move on. Justified <laughs> hype. Well, <laughs> it's exciting. It, it is. It means it means that there's still meaning going into what probably will be the last month or last fortnight of footy, which is always yeah. good for the fans, good for the neutrals, good for the, the fans of those actually of the teams that are still in the hunt. So um, I think yeah. you still would say West Coast Richmond probably get those two spots, but it's not guaranteed. Gee, you, you look at the, the performances over the last couple of weeks, both of those two, and you think, if you didn't know all the history and everything like that, you just watch those two games. You'd say, no way. Fair enough. Uh, justified hype or hyperbole. I'm going to throw some statements at you guys and you're going to tell me whether the hype is justified or I'm speaking in hyperbole. Uh, I'll open this up to either of you. Scott Pendlebury's played 331 games. He'll be the next to reach 400. Um, no, he won't. I don't think he will play 400 games. Um, he's a great player, but I think we've seen a bit of a drop off with Pendlebury. Uh, Seventy yeah. more games, a lot of it's, it's three and a half ish seasons to play without injuries or anything like that. And I, I don't know. I don't know if okay. he'll play that much longer. Here's here's uh, another name. A little bit, I'm a little bit with Jake in terms of most of the other guys that reach 400. Maybe maybe Michael Tuck's the exception of the rule. They've all sort of played outside the the centers. Uh, center circle like Brent Harvey was, you know, periphery towards the end. Fletcher obviously full back. Burgoyne can play anywhere. Pendlebury at the moment, center bounce midfielder in the guts. You know, played half back for probably half a year. But I feel like Pendlebury's one that if he can't give you 100% midfield time, he might he might not make it through. So well, an- another name, 347 games is David Mundy. Um, oh, I'd love to two, see him do two and it, and but again, I don't seasons. think so. I think as great as he's been this year, is he going to play another? He might go, he'll, he'll play another one, but is he going to play two or two and a half to get there? Probably not. I don't Fair think enough. so. The, I, honestly, if, if I have to pick a player that's going to play 400 games, a current player, I'm looking at Sam Walsh. I just look at him as a player that's going to play a lot of footy. Um, Touch wood looks like a very durable player that will play. I mean, he hasn't missed. He just plays every week. And I think he's got that ability to, we know he can play on the inside now, but I think he's got that ability to then move to the outside when, when needed late in his career. I, I think he could be a 400 game player. Interesting. Uh, Christian, we discussed the Tigers last week and how they won't win the flag. The, the stats that sort of say that they're not quite on track to win the flag. I put it to you that they won't make finals this season. Is that justified hype or is that hyperbole? It's justified hype at the moment. As I said, they're... Uh, well, they're not in the A. Well, again, spicy, I, spicy, I, did, spicy. I don't know if I just said they didn't. They won't make finals because that's not what I meant <laughs> to say. But yeah, they're, we just said it. They're in the biggest battle for the final spot and that, that eight spot's wide open. They've got it at the moment. Um, and again, sat here Wait, last week. Do they week. have it? No, they're ninth. They're ninth right oh, now. Sorry. Well, yeah, sorry. They did drop out after this weekend. So... Um, yeah, big, again, big game this week against Collingwood, a game they probably should win. Um, but we said that last week against Gold Coast. So <laughs> I think they're every chance of moving out and I'll throw in a little cheeky conspiracy theory I have. Why wouldn't the other top eight teams all get together and make sure you conspire to keep them out? So well, we saw Sydney and West Coast. I reckon there was a gentleman's handshake and Sydney, West Coast just said, well, you can get your percentage up today just to make sure <laughs> can, like have a look at uh, teams will let gws win because it's, it's one of those ones surely if you're a team in the top eight you don't want rich you, if you're fifth you don't yeah. want to play richmond no, that's eight. a good point that's a good point. um so just keep an eye on that well that's... a good team's gonna finish fifth whether it's brisbane or port or geelong they're all really tight yeah. separated by percentage and one of them may well end up playing richmond in eighth and how stiff would you be if you were brisbane and you you lose one game or something would you rather finish sixth then uh, well, you Based probably Sydney, would if you were probably. playing West Coast away at this point. <laughs> yeah. so. uh, interesting. Um, how, how's the Tigers going from the highs of Thursday night footy one week to the Sunday graveyard slot the next? It's a bit mm. stiff, but uh, yeah. Well, what can you do? Hey, last one. Uh, Jake, Took Miller is worth $800,000 a year. Uh, yeah, it's hard because we don't really we don't get it super open what players, so it's hard to compare him. Mm, but you get I think vague sort of. Yeah, I think um, from what you kind of hear, yeah, I think he is. I think he's right. If the season ended right now, he's in my All Australian team and uh, twenty two. That is not the squad, and um, and I could make a real case that he's that he's in the starting eighteen. I think he's had a phenomenal year. Um, I've got him. I think I've got him fourth. 
in my Brownlow predictor um, behind Ollie Wines, Marcus Bontempelli, and Clayton Oliver. So it shows the company he's in. Um, and he's a phenomenal player. Wins his own ball, clearances, good ball user, smart player, tackler, pressure, hard runner, does it all. Ticks, ticks just about tick, every tick, box tick, as a midfielder. Um, it's just the classic thing. He plays for Gold Coast and we don't see him. Yep, I would be I would be throwing him throwing a lot of money at Tuke Miller if you needed um, a quality inside midfielder. Um, and let's not forget, he also has the ability to to shut down players as well. Yep, yeah, he's um he's he's turned into a complete player, hasn't he? Complete midfielder. Yeah, he can do it all. He really and an can. excellent leader. Um, I think that just about wraps things up. Uh, running out a little bit long. Footy tips. And uh, just, just quickly on just on that, because this surprised me, and I'm a big fan of Tuke Miller, but he's only 25. Feels older than that. He's a he's pretty young. 100 gamer in the making. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, look, I know Gold Coast can't afford to lose, you know, these players that have now played 100 to 150 games, and especially with someone the quality yeah. of Miller. But from all accounts, he's close to re-signing with the Suns, which is Yeah, cool. and he may well be, but... If you're another club that's in need of a, a midfielder, looking at you, Carlton, I mean, there's a few clubs out there. Do you do you throw a lot at that? West Coast. Suns? I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you probably would. You'd have a go. But um, I think he's committed to Gold Coast, which is, which is yeah. always good to see. I was see. surprised to see that he was only 25. Um, footy tips. Monday night footy's back. Are we a fan of Monday night footy, gentlemen, by the way? Yeah. I heard you say it before. It's too long a gap between Thursday night and Monday. But again. Yeah. That's that's only because we've got too much footy in around, but I want footy every night. Jake just sits on the couch and watches all the games though, just oh, one after the other. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm a fan as long as it's one or the other. It's got to be Thursday or Monday. Um, yeah, if I'm only five days Monday, in a row, Thursday, I'll yeah. pick Thursday I, over Monday. For I sure. prefer Thursday to Monday, but I'd take Monday if there's no Thursday. If that makes sense. <laughs> I'll take them both. Uh, get your tips in. Uh, that's the the crux of the things. If you if you're in a tight battle at your workplace or with your friends, uh, these tips are crucial. So get them in. Uh, make sure you get them in. Why early. are these tips crucial? Are they worth if people slip up, you could almost find yourself out of the race. That's what they're it all is. worth. One every they're week, all worth every one. Well, except except well, if you've got um, the margin turned on, you might be worth two for the Thursday night game. Well, it's still worth one, but you get the ex- extra point if you get the margin right. If you've got that feature turned on. Oh, yeah. For, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, we'll speak to you next week, guys, at home. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, till then. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod, wherever you get your podcasts.